Hi everyone and thanks for joining us for another exciting job talk. We know that many of you, probably most of you, are ambitious, growth-minded professionals seeking ways to accelerate your career. But what does it mean to accelerate? How fast can you really go? Given the right opportunities and maybe even with the right skills and the right mindset, is it really possible to rocket to the top? Or do you really just maybe get promoted a year or a couple of years earlier than your peers? Well, today we have a real rocket ship story for you with Camille Ang, who went from intern to head of marketing and growth in just a few years. Today, she leads a massive org in a newly minted unicorn. How did she do it? And how can we try to emulate some of her success? So Cam, thank you so much for joining us today. Maybe would you like to begin by sharing a little bit of your journey so far? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Cam, uh, currently the Associate Director leading Marketing and Growth at Grocery, a B2B e-commerce platform catering to Sari Sari store owners or small mom and pop shop owners, where we help them better source goods for their store, as well as give them access to other services like load, bills payment, online shopping, and the like to make them the best store in their community and stand out. So actually, my first job uh, was at Uber, uh, which is where I actually was an intern as well. Back then, in 2015 and 2016, Uber was known for just being a taxi company and actually had a lot of bad PR because the government was not a fan. So it was really tough to convince my family and friends that I wanted to join a company like this because of job security. But given that transportation in the Philippines was not great, and I saw the potential of Uber to improve this, both on the riders and the driver's side, I took the chance and joined as a marketing hire under the brand and campaign scheme, creating fun viral campaigns that made Uber a big and beloved brand. Right. But when the merger happened with Grab, uh, I really took that as an opportunity to kind of further explore what's out there and chance to ponder Sari. And what enticed me was the fact that I was able to make a difference in the lives of these mom and pop shop owners because there were about a million of them here in the Philippines. I actually do care deeply about making a difference here in the Philippines and that's my primary guiding light in deciding what company I joined in from you know Uber to even now. Yeah. So Cam, if I might ask over here, so you know when you, I mean this might be a bit of a side note but given that you joined Uber kind of in the face of difficulties in the Philippines, what made you want to take that chance at all, especially given that family and friends <laughs> may not have been super in favor? Right, right. Honestly, it was really because uh, if, if, if here in the Philippines, you know, the, the options for public transportation is really not that good. Um, even as a woman, uh, it's, it's so unsafe uh, to either take a taxi, uh, take the train, things like that. Unlike in companies like Singapore, for example, right, where these things are pretty good. So because it was really hard for someone like me, for example, to move around. And imagine all the other people who are like me. I wanted to, you know, see if uh, joining Uber can help really improve this. And when I saw the mission and vision, it was so hard not to jump in despite that risk. And I guess also as a person, a risk taker to an extent, uh, you can see that when I joined Uber and even joining Grocery, because back then in 2016, also Grocery was just a really small company. No one knew about about mm. it, all of that. But I always looked at the potential, and so and that becomes my basis to kind of take the risk and join. Okay, so I guess one of the takeaways from this also is that you've worked in places where you felt very passionate about the product. 
Yeah. And that resonated with basically your world view, which is to right. help people or improve the environment in some way. Right, right. I'm really. I feel like I'm really idealistic. I guess <laughs> maybe that's also because I'm young and not as jaded. <laughs> But I don't know. Like I don't know how. How I mean, even in the future, if I'm able to continue to make these choices. But I feel like, as of now, really, I care deeply about you know making a difference here. Even if it means taking some risk, uh, I would jump for it because I'm driven by my passion. And and that keeps me kind of excited every single day. Yeah, I think passion is a big component in personal growth because otherwise you're kind of working for money, and that's not quite as motivating as working for something that you believe in. So right. yeah, so at least for me, I think uh, that's one of the things that stood out from what you just said. Uh, so thanks for that. Sure, sure. Yeah, quickly kind of jump into like just talking a bit about my role in grocery. So. It's really interesting because at Uber, I did a purely marketing role under the brand and campaign team, and I was an IC for two years. But now in Grocery, I lead the entire growth and marketing function with over 150 employees uh, under my team, and actually have dabbled into many different functions across uh, in my three and a half years, like product, customer experience, operations, on top of what I currently do. Hmm. So I think with marketing, it's pretty straightforward. Given that that was my background. It was easy to kind of assimilate into that role here. But what's interesting was I was the very first marketing hire. The thing about working in a startup, I feel, is that especially in the beginning, the priority is fixing the operations, and then later on, kind of build the marketing function. Because my background was marketing, but they didn't really need me for that yet. Right. They just said, okay, maybe you should jump in, join that role. And I was the first marketing hire. But I eventually dabbled into a lot of operations roles, uh, customer experience, things like that, and. Only like the past uh, two years that I was able to kind of build the marketing function from the ground up and do yeah. everything in house. So we have a channels team doing everything end to end in terms of media, as well as you know our own in house agency who would create all of the artworks and the copies, things like that. But also on top of my role, because the pandemic hit, made sense for me to lead the growth function as well. In the past, pre-pandemic, a lot of our sales is generated by field agents who are managed by area general managers from like established FMCG companies or telco, things like that. But because I was already part of marketing and knew how to navigate through digital channels as part of the role, they said, okay, maybe you should, you know, just lead our demand or growth function in this time, figuring out how to drive acquisition, retention, And revival across all of our different touch points, where digital is the at the forefront of it, and then only supported by callers and agents where needed. And on top of that, even manage our demand forecast as well as our call center support team. So this was really such a big change uh, for me, uh, and something I had to kind of just learn how to do in the process. Right. So actually, so in listening to what you're saying, I feel like. There's two things that stand out to me in what you just said. So number one is that you had the flexibility to take on something beyond. I mean, you may have been hired for marketing, but you ended up doing other stuff, which is operations, like you said at the start, and product and customer experience and so on. So essentially, doing what it takes to move the business forward versus sticking to your role or your job description. And that's a very valuable point, Cam, because I think companies, especially fast-growing companies, and especially early in their in their journey, value people who are willing to 
do what it takes and to look at you know the company as a whole and move it move the company forward versus just thinking about what they have been hired to do or looking at a narrow focus so i think that is fantastic in addition you also had i think an opportunity created for you which you which you were able to leverage which is you know when the pandemic hit the whole field sales concept essentially disappeared and not just for grocery i think it disappeared for pretty much everybody else and so the companies that could win in that environment had to go digital or more digital very quickly and you were kind of at the right place at the right time for that yeah exactly yeah because you had the marketing element to this and the whole point of marketing is to get people to do things uh, in a light touch or remotely so you were able to kind of flow into that kind of thought process but again some of these things i'm sure are things that you hadn't done before and so therefore you still had an element of expansion or learning in that process as well so that's a lot of new things to learn and a lot of uh, i would say upskilling or upleveling to keep up with this entire growth and madness so it it's something honestly cam i mean if i had been in your place i think i would have really struggled to make this many different pivots and flips personally uh, it almost makes my head spin so how did you manage to uplevel yourself so fast that you were able to keep up with these increasing demands of the role and these changes right i guess also really quickly like i mean i've i've already have about like five and a half years of experience but at every single point in time i always feel like i'm a fresh grad and i am so open to just learning new things and i feel like this is the best time to do it so i think that that level of openness has really helped me kind of expand uh also my view right because back at Uber actually I've always thought okay I finally figured out the role that I love which is marketing and that's the path I will take for myself and I feel like if Uber kind of stayed on I would have gone down uh, that path right but I feel like things happen for a reason and when that merger happened I I met Grocery and you know you know I was able to be exposed to all of these things that I didn't realize I could do but you know as I jump into it you know I quickly learn and adapt and then create best practices so we can kind of scale right so i think this level of openness to learning new things even if i wasn't an expert from the uh, in them from the get go is incredibly important right and i think the beauty about working in a startup versus i guess more established companies and in an industry where we're trying to revolutionize it is that no one has a playbook yet so it's really about being open to experimentation and taking bets you don't necessarily feel imposter syndrome because i guess it's it's comforting to know no one really knows <laughs> what they're doing uh so it's about you know you creating that for yourself right so as i was sharing earlier when the pandemic hit we had the pivot our business model to digital coming from field agents and for example with acquisition that was the most interesting one because when we would acquire uh, an area we would really just deploy uh, agents to really survey the area take orders things like that but that wasn't as feasible nor as safe for the store owners as, as well as our employees right so we really had to figure out what the right channels were to reach our users and that was mostly through facebook but we also realized that people weren't as ready for a pure end to end solution yet so even if people were so familiar with facebook and in the philippines that's all they know about the internet <laughs> okay. um so that was good in terms of top of funnel we wanted to funnel them to the app right because we didn't have agents who would like sign them up mm. or like take their order so even if we would push them to the app we would really track 
where they would drop off in the experience where they weren't understanding what the next step is. And then from there, had a hybrid model where we would either send an agent or call them up when they were stuck in the funnel. So I think it was really interesting because from the get-go, it was about trying to figure out how we can make an end-to-end journey that's purely digital. And then realizing because of the challenges also where people aren't as accustomed to it just yet, we need to come up with a hybrid model. And we only figured that out through a lot of experimentation and testing before we scaled that out. Right. So I think that was one part of it that really helped. But at the same time, I realized also dabbling into different roles, really having a more holistic view of the business is super important in the growth role that I was doing. Because the growth role or generating demand never happens in isolation, right? Of course, you need your partners in operations and supply, all of these things to, to make sure that everything is sufficient, right? And you come up with the right service level. And I'm glad that I was able to do those roles even in a small capacity in the past so i remember doing a stint before uh, fixing our warehouse operation our dispatch and take back process in the morning you know like because i was so open to doing that it was so easy to then see how that's interconnected with my growth role so i feel like this general openness has really helped me yeah so this is very helpful cam so i think essentially what you're saying is you know when people say i'm open to new ideas or, or things like that I think they still mean something a bit narrower than what you're describing. So essentially, I'm in marketing, I'm open to new ideas means, okay, if somebody from operations tells me, you know, gives me some ideas on how to do marketing, I'm happy to take it and, and see how I can use it, which is good. But that still limits you to what you know with little bit, you know, extra given to you by others. But what you're saying is that you actually did all those other roles, even if, you know, like a almost like internships in in those roles to try and figure out I mean of course one is to help out but second is to figure out what's actually happening downstream from marketing so and from growth so that you can then see the broader picture of the customer experience right from when do they discover grocery which is through Facebook all the way through to when Mm -hmm. actually something's happening like they're onboarding or they're actually fulfilling orders and things like that and also the actual order fulfillment itself at the warehouse and so on. So, so essentially you're saying this gave you like a, a bird's eye view of the entire thing, which made you a better growth marketer or a better marketer. And so therefore you could give much more sensible, strategic, holistic kind of solutions. And so therefore that also made you more valuable to the company in that respect. And so therefore people were able to trust that, okay, this person knows what they're talking about. And so let's give her more responsibility. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like also because I learn their processes, I'm also able to come up with recommendations for them and have that credibility as well uh, that impacts my work streams. I think that's really interesting because I feel like in marketing, it's a big shift because I feel like sometimes it's easy for another team to give you the brief and then you work on that in isolation and then bring that to life, right? With a role like growth, which really, and the KPI is sales, which is the main KPI of the company. Yeah, just this level of openness really helps and understanding all of the different functions and how that comes into play really has helped uh, in the role that I have, yeah. Yeah, so in fact, I think that's what positioned you as a leader. I mean, look, ultimately to be made a leader, you have to first be a leader, act like a leader. And that's where your this strategic guidance, being able to actually give other people insights on their functions is what would have positioned you in that kind of a, you know, in that kind of a mind space. 
which is why rosari was comfortable you know having you you know rise up the the ranks to get to where you are today and it's also commendable because it's not common i think for marketing folks to i mean for marketing to be driving too much of the thinking on the company front unless the company is a marketing led company like procter and gamble or something like that but with essentially logistics or e-commerce or things like that that's not quite common so it it is i think extra in interesting that you are able to that you were able to actually play that kind of a business driving role yeah so this is great Yeah, yeah, I mean even I am surprised. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like I've just grown so much I guess in the past three and a half years that I've been here as well. And I feel like yeah, this is the path I'll be taking for sure. The the other thing though that really helped me uh beyond being open to, you know, whatever like just new strategies or you know, open to learn other what other teams are doing is also people management, right? So I mentioned earlier that I was I'm leading uh, over 150 people from different levels. Many of them are I mean, younger, older, from different backgrounds, all of these things. And it's really about figuring out how I could deliver to others. And this is super interesting as a like a learning for me because back at Uber, I was a very strong IC. I did not have a single director for it. So such a big shift to just be given this much responsibility. And when you when you're an IC, it's a lot easier because you do things on your own. You yeah. are in control. You know exactly how you want it done, right? But it's a little different when you have to leverage your team to do it. And it's all about striking a balance between driving clarity on the brief and giving direction, but never telling them exactly what to do because you don't want to micromanage them. Even if sometimes it feels like that's more efficient, right? And you know, with like a startup where. The timelines are so aggressive. Things need to get done yesterday. Sometimes it's it's easy to fall into that rit, that path where, okay, let me just do it because it's so much easier. <laughs> But yeah, so this was such a big character development for me. As someone who also is type A and really wants to be in full control. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. It, yeah. it, it is quite a temptation, right? For someone who knows how to do something to just either tell the person how to do it or just pretty much do it. so it's almost like then the other person becomes just arms and legs versus being a thinking individual but that is not scalable exactly because you can instruct five people 10 people maybe but you can't instruct hundreds of people one by one right so it is a valuable point that you're bringing up which is if you want to rise up and you're going to be managing people and presumably more and more people you have to find a scalable model for having that organization do work and that comes from delegation not from micromanaging or task lists exactly uh, so i think that's a really good point okay yeah and i think what's interesting about going through this journey and you're right it's about finding the balance between scalability but also i guess some level of personalization right because mm. i think at the end of the day there's no single style that works for everyone and especially when you have such a big team everyone's different they're wired differently they're motivated differently things like that right and so a lot of what i had to understand in the beginning was really how everyone best works and then try as much as possible to tailor fit that approach to their style to enable them to do their best work so for example I have two types of director boards. Uh, one is someone who just wants to be given some general direction and align on principles, and then you know they can run with it and are autonomous within that. But there is another type of director board who 
wants to brainstorm and collaborate and flesh out ideas and things like that, mm-hmm. right? So it's really hard to kind of force one into doing one or the other. And honestly, it would be so much easier if everyone's like direct report number one, <laughs> right? But but that's not the case. And so I, I I really just create systems in place for me to carve out enough time so that mm-hmm. okay, if this team needs uh, brainstorming sessions, I make sure I slot that in my calendar and, and things like that, right? So it's balancing personalization with scalability because if I also like have a different approach for every single person, I guess it'll also be too difficult. So I think that's one part of it. But the other thing that I also learned um, is driving clear prioritization as well as boundaries are incredibly important, right? So in a startup, there's really a lot of things to do and honestly, everything is urgent. But I guess the role that I play is to really be clear on priorities so they know what to focus on and then what to deprioritize. So for example, we have a Google Sheet where we put uh, the priorities for the week. So it's not about me writing it for them and for every single person, but them knowing their KPIs already will create priorities based on what's most important to them. And when it feels like there's too much or things aren't correctly prioritized, I just step in to kind of help out. And I think this helps because this removes the day-to-day, like, what are you doing, daily stand-ups, uh, what did you do yesterday and today and tomorrow, yeah. you know, that type of thing. And, you know, you just have a system where everyone knows exactly what to do because we're all on the same page in terms of the KPIs. And then people just update that as it happens. And then, you know, we have an open communication when things aren't moving as planned. So I think that's, that's yeah. Yeah, and, and that's an element of scalability as well. So I think this, the stuff that you've said so far uh, points towards the ability to, to kind of get more done through people. And the only way to do that is to do it in such a way so that you're not the bottleneck or you're not the person who's doing all the thinking because that is not possible. So these are all ways of getting to a place where people can operate independently with a thread back to to the manager or to the head of the organization so so also really good tactics actually cam yeah yeah and then i guess the last thing is also because there's a lot of things going on i do also make it a point to create boundaries for the team because i think the problem with working in a startup and also in the pandemic is that you know the lines of like work and life get too blurred right you're sitting in your room, working through the day, you don't realize like it's evening and then you just keep working. And I feel like because I personally experienced that, I'm sure everyone in my team does as well. And I didn't want that to be the reason for burnout. So I also create these boundaries within my team. Many times I hear this from other people where you have to create the boundaries for yourself. And I I honestly feel that that's valid, right? I personally, for example, can say that after like 7 p.m., I'm going to stop working any- already. I-, I don't work on Sundays, things like that. And that's fair. But as a manager, I feel like there's also that responsibility where you create that boundary for-, for the team, right? Because you also understand what you're going through. So I have this problem before where I would keep sending work messages whenever I think of them. And usually it happens at night because it's your downtime. You now have time to take a step back. You're not caught in- up in meetings and things like that. But I realized that the moment I send it, that creates stress for my team. Even if I say at the end, you don't need to reply, right? Uh, Because they got it from me. So what I try to do now is, for example, simple things like I schedule my message for the next day. We use Telegram for work, so that's a feature that exists. 
yeah, I block out, remind myself not to kind of message during these times, things like that. So I feel like these things, even in the smallest ways, really create boundaries that help better manage the work-life balance. Yeah, and it is important for the manager to set those rules because yes, people can set their own boundaries, but all said and done, there's peer pressure. So if exactly. X has set a boundary at 7 p.m., but Y has set it at 9 p.m., X is going to start feeling guilty or pressured at some point. So it's better that there's just some common rules that are set up and so nobody feels that uh, they have to do more than whatever those rules say. So I, I think that's a valid one. Yeah, I remember especially in the beginning of the pandemic, I was really trying to figure out how to manage this specific thing. And it's hard because as someone who is, I guess, significantly more dedicated to the work than the team, right? Because of the level of investment I have, it was really, really hard to think on their behalf, right? Because exactly to your point, right? My boundaries could really be 10 p.m., right? And for someone, it's at 6. So I remember this time where uh, we simple things like we collated everyone's sacred times. And then the earliest one, sacred time becomes everyone's sacred time, right? So just like, I'm just trying to figure out how to just show people that we care deeply about them having work-life balance as well. Because, you know, every, I mean, in interviews, right? When you have people you interview, they will always ask about work-life balance. And everyone says, of course, we respect work-life balance and things like that. But honestly, it's also in the way, yeah, we create these rules and adhere to them to show them also that we care deeply about them. So I feel like these little, yeah, really do help. Yeah, yeah. no, it's not, essentially, it's not about what you say, it's about what you do. Exactly. So so what you're saying is you're, you're walking the talk, essentially, which is fair. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's that. And I, I guess quickly connected to that as well is I do create a space for my team to be vulnerable and honest with me as well and vice versa. And I feel like I guess this is more a personal style and I don't think that this, I mean, not everyone may necessarily be as comfortable as me on this, but I guess I'm the first one to, for example, apologize if I feel like I, I made a mistake or, you know, I was being overly demanding about something and realized it later on. I acknowledge things first and I also constantly give them feedback in a real-time way. And because of these things that I do, I'm able to create an environment where the team knows that they can talk to me about anything as well. So I feel like this just really helps me because I'm able to get a pulse of where the team stands, whether that be inside or outside work. And I'm able to kind of unblock these things and improve the ways of working moving forward as well. So I feel like I'm just very, I guess I'm, I overly communicate, uh, maybe sometimes to a fault, but <laughs> I feel like this really helps me just create this environment where it's a safe space for the team. And I'm always aware about what's going on. They're experiencing any challenges, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the, all this uh, actually, so overall, like all the stuff that you're saying, right, which is you try to tailor your style to the person you try to set boundaries, you help people figure out their priorities, but without micromanaging, you create a space for uh, people to be honest and vulnerable. All of this ultimately creates trust. And if a team trusts each other, uh, there's actually some research that shows that trust actually is one of the bigger determinants of success and outcomes than just having a bunch of super intelligent people trying to work together. So I think you've hit upon a formula for scaling yourself through others, obviously, which involves trying to bring people mm -hmm. together and get them focused on an outcome where they can, they're at their most productive because the environment is like that. 
so i think that's where you've ended up landing which is uh, which is pretty cool it's great formula to discover actually yeah i really think that this has really helped the team but also i feel like that has helped me also grow as a person because i feel like yeah it's really just about understanding everyone and i realized also that you know because i'm able to create this trust like things i would never imagine a director or to tell their manager like for example someone in my team was able to receive an offer like really early on right and you know i being the first to know i mean i don't think this necessarily happens when people don't trust you enough yeah, beyond their manager right yeah. that's one example the other extreme one is my direct report telling me for example they're going through a heartbreak and so they can't work for the next few days which i openly accept because i completely understand that but you know in another world you would never tell your manager that right maybe <laughs> like very deeply personal but i feel like these things really just help uh, because they they can trust me and i i do trust them as well uh, to do their best work right uh, and and if they're not in a place to do so they can always let me know and that's fine yeah right okay so yeah. so this is about people management and i think uh, you've you've come a long way i have to say from being an individual contributor to building such a high performing team so you know we talked about the fact that you were open to exposing yourself to new you know new opportunities and new things to learn and the second part was then executing through a team and trying to make them aligned in one direction and so on so this is fine but then how does work actually get done because uh, ultimately success or personal success is a is a function of outcomes exactly. so how do you actually de- deliver outcomes finally Exactly. So uh, this bit uh, that I learned only in grocery also is to be execution biased and really have the rigor to constantly test and learn. There's always this like premium to like coming up with the best strategy and things like that, right? That's the fun part. But when you work in a startup, execution might actually be more important than the strategy itself mm-hmm. because in a startup you have the space to actually constantly optimize and test. If it fails, it's fine. Then you do something different right and then do better so i think a lot of at the forefront what we do is really yeah concept test and learns ab testing optimization we actually employ this framework uh, in grocery for the growth team called like a champion challenger loser framework so basically in every objective that we want to hit for example acquiring a user or retaining a user that type of thing we have a hero program that we try to crack right uh, whether uh, that comes from strong insights with the data that we have as well as insights qualitative across social when we do interviews things like that to come up with a strategy on like an execution for example that's a promo right uh, to to like revive a user What happens is uh, we build that end to end. Uh, we do a post mortem, and then once we've learned from that, we come up with a challenger promo that is a, a quick iteration of the previous one. So whether it be the challenger promo, which is a slightly bigger offer, if we make this offer bigger, will the conversion rates be better, right? Uh, and then that's the challenger. If that wins over the champion, then the the previous one becomes the loser, and then we test again, right? Up until we reach a point where we feel like this is the best take-up rate we could get, then this is what we ramp up at scale. So this is the mindset we employ for every single thing we do because that's the mindset we want to have, right? And it's not about just landing one execution, thinking this is the best we could do, and then move on to another thing, right? So I think this is one thing that I think is really a kind of core capability that the growth team. Yeah, and it's in fact. Uh... 
what i like about this also is that it keeps you moving right because there's still even when you're trying to come up with a challenger there is a champion uh, process that is running exactly so you aren't sitting around in committees trying to figure out what's the ideal way to do something you're doing something and if you can find a better way to do it then that becomes the champion and and so on but it keeps you moving forward which is i, I think there's a lesson that uh, a lot of people could probably learn both uh, i mean at startups and maybe even in larger companies so uh, so it's a great framework so thanks for sharing that one sure sure i mean honestly we do this at uh, like for every type of execution so it doesn't just apply to promos but also even key messages and campaigns for example with acquisition ads right what would be the best reason to believe or key message that we want to drive is it free delivery is it our wide assortment is it our best pricing all of these things to be ab test abc test abcd you know like so <laughs> many versions of it uh, to really see where we land and actually it's not even just broadly kind of testing that but since we're also present in many different areas for example we're in metro manila uh, we're in like up north uh, pampanga eventually expanding to Visayas Mindanao we have these mini tests on an area level because we can't assume also that the same reason to believe our key message will be effective across the board so the rigor we put around for example these tests for acquisition is super important and on top of that we also kind of test which ad formats work better so do we do a static one a video a gif do we feature a real person or illustrations that type of thing We also kind of broadly, uh, yeah, test to see which is most effective, and then once we already have built the baseline, okay, these are the most effective ones. We turn off the the ones that aren't, and then think about other kind of routes to take and continuously optimize. So yeah, that's really the mindset that we have, which I think really works for a company like Grocery as well, where you really do have this space to make mistakes because. These mistakes allow you to learn and test the new thing to come up with the best execution. So yeah. Right. Okay. So essentially, you're saying that the the execution path is just a path of experimentation. As as you keep experimenting, you'll you'll figure out the way to success, and that's how the company grows. And because you're the person who's driving those things, you also grow along with it. You build a lot of learning and knowledge about what works, what doesn't work, and also by geography, by situation, and so on. So so this is great. Okay. So before we close camp, I wanted to ask you. So you know you've achieved a lot of success. I mean much more than the vast majority of people are going to achieve in such a short span of time. But is there anything that you would do differently in what you've done so far? Got it. I think it's really not about what I would do differently because I feel like the choices that I've made, for example, in my career from moving to Uber and then grocery lead me to where I am today and I feel like if any of those things change I feel like I would emerge a different person probably doing different things in a different company you know so at least even like a multiverse cam exactly. in the multiverse I mean <laughs> exactly so I mean I really am glad of how things panned out I mean initially for example when the merger happened I feel like I was devastated that was probably the worst day of my life you know that type of thing don't know where I will end up in but I feel like yeah these things just happen for a reason and I I'm so happy with where I ended up today so at least on that front and even in the roles that I took on like I feel like if I didn't like immerse myself in all of these different functions I wouldn't be as effective as where I am today so I feel like I'm pretty happy with where things have met up out so I think that's the first point but 
in terms of me being a grocery now and as the company matures, you know, we're, I mean, we can say we're still a startup, but we've closed the rounds of funding. We're moving towards a, a lar- becoming a larger company. I think a lot of the mindset I would need to revisit quite a bit. So for example, I was talking about the ability to test and learn, create many initiatives, compete against each other. But as the company scales, is there a balance between keeping that mindset, but also maybe moving to fewer, bigger things? You know, questions like that, right? Or how do I further scale out the team, right? To even be more empowered, to continue to become strategic members of the team, right? Versus just focusing on execution because there's only so my capacity is the same, right? And so I need to upskill people, right? Things like that. So I feel like it's a lot of these questions that I have in my head that I feel like will be the next journey. So yeah, so I feel like those two will be. Yeah, I think those are pretty valid points because as the company grows bigger, what used to once be a needle moving thing with an A-B test may no longer be. I mean, maybe it's now just going to be fractions of a decimal point change if you did those things. And then it's not worth trying to test that. And so therefore, you're right. I think the initiatives will have to become bigger. And by nature of being bigger, they'll end up being fewer, which also means that then there's more of the strategic thinking and and stuff. Hopefully not decision by committee, which is for really big companies maybe, but, but somewhere in between where things become a little better planned, more strategic, more thoughtful. Right. And with more people involved in making that thing happen versus small things that you could iterate like in days. And with the people front, I think, at least to me, it seems like one of the challenges will be how do you grow leaders? So you're right, people need to scale up and start doing more and stuff. But you'll also need leaders because as the company grows, 150 people will eventually become a thousand, which means some of these people have to be individually capable of managing 150 people. So how does all of that actually end up happening? So that will be an interesting journey. I know. I mean, really exactly, exactly that, right? Like I feel like I've created such a, created such a strong team, but yeah, it's really about continuously upskilling them and creating leaders because I also, on a very personal note, will want to explore a different role within Gross Harry, which is completely different from what I do now, right? So, I mean, in this whole desire to be open to new experiences, I want to lead a different pillar and build that from the ground up, which means I need to create leaders to continue to run the department that I have today. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting next year or so. Yeah, and that's the true test of success, right? Which is, if you were to move to something else, then, then can that function continue to run as well or maybe even better as time goes on versus just collapsing. Because if it collapses, then clearly like it wasn't built to be a strong function. It was a strong leader with a weak function, essentially. So I do appreciate that challenge. I think it's a, I mean, both of these are actually very good points that you bring up. So Cam, I think it's been a great conversation. So, So really appreciate you sharing your story. And just to recap, for the folks on the call, I think one of the first things that you said today was that the choices you made about where to join were born out of passion. And so therefore you're deeply invested in what's being done. And so therefore naturally more inclined to make the best of it and you know move it forward because it affects you personally. So that's one. The second thing is that 
you were very open to learning new things and took advantage of opportunities to learn and to develop a breadth of knowledge well beyond what your job scope or job role actually was which then allowed you to give more insight to people you know more strategy work with other teams and therefore present yourself as a leader versus you know person working in a narrow role in a specific function the third one i think you said was about people management and how you were able to work out ways to work with people on their own terms so that you know they learn to trust you and then trust each other and become essentially a high performing team uh, versus a bunch of uh, individuals doing some tasks somewhere so so that was the the other point and finally i think we talked about execution and your uh, i think what you described was learn as you go model through experimentation which helps keep the business moving forward while also continuously improving it on the side and that's what helped uh, obviously your function grow the business grow and since that's worked out well you also therefore got the advantage of that growth in business in terms of personal growth as well yeah, yeah. and finally i think the next year or the next couple of years is going to be about how do you set this up to be an independent function well run works well even without you in that place and also how can you start thinking more strategically and you know get your people also to start thinking more strategically as you know into bigger things more needle moving kind of things so yeah so very good insights cam thank you i think for the folks listening to this uh, there's a lot of good tactical stuff in here that they could use themselves i do think it is rare for somebody to grow at the speed that you've grown but if people take these points to heart i'm pretty sure that they will accelerate their career because they will no longer come across as you know a small functionary in a small function but more like a a broad thinking leader and that's the first step towards accelerating your career because if you can come across as a leader people will give you opportunities to lead so thanks a lot cam for sharing your experience with us today i uh, really appreciate having you here no thank you so much for having me And uh, thanks everyone for joining us on Job Talk today. It was great conversation for me and I really hope that you take away something from it as well. And we'll see you next time. Take care.